This episode of Bourbon with Friends is brought to you by Kentucky Eagle, Inc. Kentucky Eagle is a growing company in need of talented people with a passion for wine and spirits. They're looking for sales positions and operational roles. They are a family-owned company and offers above industry average compensation, up to 7.5 401k match, health, life, dental, vision, insurance, car allowance, cell allowance. Positions are available in markets around Kentucky. Please visit www.kyeagle.net slash careers to apply. It's time for Bourbon with Friends, the bourbon podcast that never takes itself too seriously. Pull up a chair, grab a glass, and remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bourbon with Friends. Um, as always, I'm Connor, joined by my co-host, Paul. Today, we have uh, somebody on the show that I'm super excited to talk to. I think she's Hold our first second. Whiskey Hall of Famer. Yeah, and no. I think I, we've had sports Hall of Famers on before, but this is the first Whiskey Hall of Famer I think we've had. Yeah, well, yeah, the the first again, I want I want to get into all of this. There's there's so many things that uh, I have to introduce here that it's like where do I even begin? Bourbon Hall of Fame, founder of the Bourbon Women Association, which again I want to get into. The first female master bourbon taster, so many accolades. Peggy, I'm just going to let you talk about it a little bit, but uh we're pleased to have Peggy No Stevens on the show tonight. So, Peggy. Yeah. As are they, we, I, yeah. This is we're we're really excited. Um, the fact that you're a big Kentucky basketball fan that helps. We had to shut ourselves up because we would have sat and talked about Kentucky basketball for like an hour before we even started the show, and then we would have just kept drinking and talking Kentucky basketball. We'd have been all sorts of fired up by and the I'm time. Just, this and I'm just started. up here. I'm just up here. I'm like, oh, I got UConn. Yeah, we almost forgot the show. Yeah, UConn. Yeah, we almost forgot to do the show because we got wrapped up in the big win. Do you know how often that happens, though, where we start a podcast and the pre if we would just record the, the, the moment someone comes on before we start a show, it would be probably the funniest moments we've ever released. I got to yeah, say, well, it's funny. Some, some of the stuff that we talked beforehand sometimes shouldn't go in. Should, should never yeah, be released. Should never see the light of day. But um, Peggy, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is this is a complete honor. Um, I feel like I have so many questions for you. But the first thing I want to know is. I know you have a history of your family being in whiskey, but do you feel like whiskey was always something that you were going to eventually get into? Uh, honestly, no. Never even thought about it to get into the whiskey business. And frankly, if you know anything about the No family, the No family is huge, okay? And there's several sides. My father had 11 children in the family, wow. and his father you know, resided in Louisville. They all came from Springfield, Kentucky originally, but then moved to Louisville. And so that side of the No family didn't grow up in whiskey. You know, the Fred No side that you know of, you mm -hmm. know, they were the ones that really grew up in whiskey. So I am related, you know, to the No family, but it was just never my intention. Uh, in fact, living in Louisville, and you all are going to laugh, especially, you know, from Versailles, Kentucky, but living in Louisville... You know, when I was in college, even and thinking about driving to Bardstown, like that was the other side of the world, right? <laughs> I mean, I was like, "What? 
I would never I still think it is away from home, you know? <laughs> and so ironically, I got into the hotel business and right. I worked for Hyatt hotels after college and actually moved in Chicago to Chicago and lived in Chicago for a few years. And then, you know, came back uh, to Lexington and I was headhunted uh, by Brown Foreman. So I actually went to work for the competition uh, of Jim Beam. And sometimes it's not so unusual in our whiskey world. Uh, You know, when you think of other, you know, big names that worked for competitors and, you know, trained at a competitor and then went to work for their own, you know, place. So just ironically, uh, when I was headhunted, I kind of grew up there and worked there 17 years at Brown Foreman. So to kind of piggyback on that, obviously thinking about where you're going to get into to bourbon or whiskey, but was that a part of your culture, like fam, like you, was your dad For a whiskey sure. drinking? So, so, so whiskey was in your DNA. You just never thought, Hey, I'm going to go make a living off this. Not as a career. You're absolutely right. And you know, my mother, I distinctly remember grow up, growing up, you know, she always made highballs. You know, she and her okay. five Italian yeah. sisters, it was all about the highball, mm. right? Mm. And then my father, we had a big bar down in the basement before it was posh to have a man cave, right? So he was um, ahead of the curve. He was ahead of the curve. And I like it. we would have the Smart Jim man. Beam decanters, you know, that were made by Lennox mm-hmm. yep. uh, China. You know, yeah. and the, the Jim Beam decanters. He the would kind that Christmas. are a little dangerous to drink if you drink too much out of now. For sure. But they're gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, I've and got a couple of yeah. because I, I, I see these beautiful decanters, you know, at vintage stores now, but like he had so many and I remember them even after they were empty, they'd be sitting on a shelf and, you know, I wish I would have hung on to those, um, mm. you know, and it was in the eggnog and it was, I remember driving downtown Louisville to the dentist office when I was a little girl and you could smell mash. Mm. in the air and downtown still the greatest smell i think so yeah so there there were there were so many things uh that influenced me in whiskey being a being a new england boy that's the first thing that i noticed when i so i first came down to kentucky this past february uh you know to see paul and to do some podcasting and everything walking to i think the first spot we went was buffalo trace green river i think Green River was the first. Green, you well, okay, went to. yeah. Green River, Green River was the first one that we went to. But I, I distinctive, I distinctively remember Buffalo Trace walking out there and just smelling the mash. You, you smell I, I the mash at Buffalo Trace a lot more prevalent it. in the parking lot. Yeah, I bet. Well, so huh. Connor, you know, Connor's a northern northeast boy, and he he had his own whiskey podcast. He had never been to a distillery before, but it just shows like the crazy aspect and the reach, you know, of, of whiskey. It, uh, for you, right? Like whiskey's been your DNA. It's been your family. Now, like when you look back then, and now you look at seeing what what bourbon and, and whiskey has become. It, it, did you ever think it would be to this level of what it's like? I the monster that it's become. I don't even know what else to say. But it, this is a monster spirit in our world today. It is, and the answer is yes and no. Um, from a product level, I never imagined that it would become what it is today, especially when I look back to when I started in the industry, you have to understand there were probably only seven Mm -hmm. distilleries in the state of Kentucky making 95% of the world's bourbon. So that was impressive, but I never would have predicted all the craft brands that have come Mm -hmm. on the horizon 
And I remember when the craft brands, you know, started to come on the horizon. And I've been a, a judge for American Distilling Institute. And, you know, I remember the very first ones. And, you know, no one ever really gave it a whole lot of thought. They were like, isn't that cute? You know, that people are making, you know, their mm-hmm. home brews or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that has been a shock on, I mean, now there's what, 63 in yeah. Kentucky alone and Denver, Colorado. I mean, in Colorado, it's huge. Colorado's making Texas. some great whiskey though. Yeah. So, geo- oh yes. And so geographically, I would have never predicted you know, the rise of bourbon. Now, on a tourism level, I am not surprised because yeah. I always knew, and especially going back to the days that I worked at Woodford Reserve, and I've, I've spent my life in hospitality tourism, you know, I knew mm-hmm. growing up in Kentucky, we had something special that nobody could duplicate, frankly. Right. Um, and so we, you know, I remember Bill Samuels, one of his favorite quotes, because he was a big champion of tourism. And I was one of the founders and originators of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And that was a brochure mm-hmm. with seven distilleries, you know, and we thought, <laughs> things got a lot more than seven now. And we thought, let's go. Let's do it. Well, they have almost two million visitors a year now. You would die if you tried to do the entire Bourbon Trail in a day and there's all the no tastings way. you would do. No, you're yeah, no, dead. No dead. And dead. that's the fun of it, though, because now it's our entire state. But I always knew the beauty and legacy you know, of Kentucky. And I felt, and Bill Samuels would say this too, that we could be a small Napa Valley of bourbon. Mm-hmm. And, and we well said. And now everything that's infrastructure wise, you see bourbon restaurants, you see huge bourbon events. Yeah. Uh, when I started in the industry, bourbon festival was literally like the only event of bourbon in the entire state besides the bourbon ball, which was put on by the, um, the arts and craft foundation and right. i couldn't even count how many bourbon events there are now it's amazing oh, and i love it i love the energy of it i love it and i hate it at the same time because i would like to find bottles so we're, we're gonna go down a whole nother rabbit hole we're gonna start that rabbit hole like we already i we just did like a hour and a half instagram live like three weeks ago debating about the secondary market it's it's great though like right like you, you it's it's that it's that love hate aspect of you know sure. if it wasn't that popular you could find whatever you want but if it wasn't if it wasn't that popular you probably wouldn't care as much either right like it's it's that it's that aspect and it's crazy to see just like you were saying like you know about about Denver like this 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 bottle right here I know is a special yeah. yeah the sour mash reserves like that they have I I would put this against any allocated whiskey I've, I've ever had They're and doing it's a nice so, job. Yeah, well, great. I mean, Greg Metz is is amazing. You know, like what what he's what he's doing. So, um, it's 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 really awesome to to kind of see that from from your perspective, right? Like, where do you see where do you see or not? Like this, that's a bad question. Were you surprised with the craft industry? I think this is a better way to to, to put it. You know, you were right. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, that's cute, right? They're making their own stuff. But now a lot of these places are at the forefront of innovation. Are you surprised that that's kind of who's leading the innovative aspect of, of bourbon right now in the in the industry? Actually, no. You know, I had this conversation um, with some other industry people, industry veterans. Mm-hmm. And we were all kind of chatting about the craft movement. I call it a movement. Yeah, um, I agree. And the reason I think that they have been so successful and so innovative 
is because they didn't know any better. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you're in a big, big spirits company, beverage company, there's layer after layer after layer after layer of approvals, right? Right. Craft people are so entrepreneurial. They're artists. Yeah. They are willing to take risks like you wouldn't believe because mm-hmm. they, they don't know, you know, how it's going to do. They love innovation. Uh, they're trying new things. They want to be different. Uh, yeah. So it does not surprise me that the craft industry is kind of ahead of the curve. Um, I I have to say, and you all can correct me if I'm wrong about history and everything, but I think until the craft brands started to come online and doing special finishes and things like that, I don't feel that the big boy brands were really doing the exclusive bottling mm-hmm. um, yeah. that they are now, that they are e- now. And all Even there's things. still some of them are still getting pulled, you know, like there's still several of the big boy brands that don't do a lot of that. You know, I mean, there's there's some stuff. I mean, even if you look at Buffalo Trace, if you look at their Weller line, right, like the, their Weller lineup, they, that's expanded exponentially. But like outside of their Weller lineup and the Taylor lineup, there's not been a lot of branching out, right? You're not seeing like a Buffalo Trace finished in Sherry cast. And I'm not picking on Buffalo Trace because they're oh, amazing. No, they're the nothing's most award winning. Nothing's but wrong with it. I just you're think spot that- on. Craft brands are more agile. Mm-hmm. There's no bureaucracy, right? Like you don't have to worry about if I put, you know, if I put Jim Beam in a sherry cask and age it for eight years and it comes out and tastes like crap, you are going to get smacked around because you're putting a product out with that label and that name that they, uh, they there's an expectation and well, I think sure. from the the craft people, there's no expectation there. The biggest thing I think, from the harder perspective, is getting past the name recognition because now there's you go to a liquor store and there's 500 different brands, and it's like where do we start? Right. And I think that's that's where the 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 craft brands are at the disadvantage. But the the cool thing that I think we get to experience in the industry, like you and me and Connor is trying these 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 different brands and realizing oh my god like some of the best whiskey in the world is being made by people that like you can go buy their whiskey on the shelf all day every day i don't have to go sit in line and wake up at 6 a.m for a raffle to put that shit down don't ever pull mellow corn back up and talk to me about something <laughs> big. what the hell i'm trying not to I like think be... you just struck a nerve connor i think oh okay. it's a it's a thank thing. you i know this... i did yeah it was what intentional. Do you... that's here's a great thing what do you think about mellow corn you know, for what it is, I think they've done a nice job. Do I pull it Thank off you. the shelf every day? I do not believe so. <laughs> I love her. But it's not. Listen, I I, I, um, <laughs> I love Mellow Corn. It's a running joke that Paul doesn't like it. I like it. I think it's for for $15 for a liter. It's it's very, it's very good. How do you eat that? You know, how do you It's for the that? content. I, I'm going to turn exactly. the tables on you guys. Okay. And what do you all look for? in a craft brand when something's first coming to market and you're I'll answer. I, that's a great question. Great question. The first thing that I look for with a craft band brand is transparency mm-hmm. because I want my craft brands. I want someone and, and we're Paul and I are lucky enough to be able to talk to a lot of the people who are running these brands. So we hear it from the horse's mouth, right. but 99% of people don't get that opportunity. Um, so, uh, you know, just, just being able to, to know exactly where it's coming from, the process, as much as, 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 as we can know, um, hearing 
the, you know, the people behind the, 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 the craft brands on podcasts or YouTube shows or TV or wherever you hear them talk about, you know, having that transparency, I think is, is incredibly important, mm-hmm. not just in craft, but in whiskey in general, um, especially as we see a continued expansion that doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, Agreed. It's a really good question though. Good. Yeah, I, I like I like getting like keep asking questions. I love being interviewed. It's great. Uh, it's so fun to be on the other end of the spectrum. It's like, oh, I don't have to come up with questions. I I think for me, it's like, what's the process of of what they're doing, right? So you get a lot of gimmicky brands like, oh, we figure out how to age whiskey in ten days for ten years. Like, come on, don't I don't want to hear that stuff. It's you're you're gonna taste like it's gonna take taste like cough syrup. I don't want to. No, stop. But like, what's the process? Who's involved? Right? Like. It, it's just like with an old elk when if you know whiskey and you find out, hey, Greg Metz is involved in, in old elk, that's somebody you're going to want you, you, something that's going to grab your attention. Right. And there's so many different things, um, you know, like Jim Rutledge with with Cream of Kentucky and with Blue Run and things like that. Right. Who's involved in these different brands? Who's doing these things? And that's the kind of cool thing that I think you have to look. And you might not have a name that's out there. You know, it could just be someone that's like, hey, look, I'm trying, I'm making whiskey based off this, this, and this, or like Penelope that's blending four grain, like those types of aspects that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. On top of the transparency, like, I think that's really, that that's key because I think in the beginning you had craft brands that were sourcing while they might be setting up a distillery that were kind of, you know, maybe not actually saying, oh, we're buying this from MGP, which does a lot of good stuff. And I promise you, Everyone out there, and we've said this a million times, you probably love MGP more than any other brand you've ever had in your life, and you've drank more MGP than any other place that you've yeah, ever had. Yeah, we just didn't know it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I, I, look, I look at. But I, it's also fun to try something I've never had because I go and pull a bottle of, you know, I, I love Eagle <laughs> Rare. I, that's one of my favorite things when I can find it, you know, especially for for what it's it's supposed to go for. It's one of my favorite bottles to to, to grab, but I know what Eagle Rare is going to be. Right. But when someone's like, "Hey, here's a four grain toasted barrel," I'm like, "Oh, like I'm thinking about you know marshmallow toasted marshmallow on a graham cracker right now." And if it comes out like that, you've just got me. And that's I think there's excitement in the newness of that. Good, good. So, good um, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I have something I, I want to ask you, Peggy, and I think this is incredibly important, especially now as we're talking about an expansion in, in bur- not only in bourbon, but in whiskey in general. Sure. Um, and this is kind of, uh, it, it's, it's funny we have you on the show now cause we're under our, under bourbon with friends, we're launching a, a new, um, podcast called drinks with friends. And we have two women that are two of the three co-hosts and, we have so many women on the show that are just for lack of a better term, badasses in the whiskey industry. And they, they know more than Paul and I will ever know in our entire lives. And, uh, you and found it. The- and if it's Jackie's, I can, she'll tell you about it too. Correct. Yes. But, uh, you found founding <laughs> the, the bourbon women association. I kind of want to know a little bit of how that came about yeah. and what your thought process was behind that. And, and, you know, how important you think the diversification in whiskey is today? Well, I mean, just in sheer numbers, you know, if you think economically, um, women are the other half of the population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So by having women introduced to the franchise <coughs> of whiskey and bourbon, you know, you've just increased your margin and your sales. Correct. Okay. So there's just a pure reason on the numbers. 
But the, the whole catalyst was really went back to my early days in, in bourbon. And I had many roles, but, you know, several were in marketing of, of whiskey, you know, Woodford Reserve, Jack Daniels, you know, those, those types of products. And I always knew that there were women like me, you know, who grew up in Kentucky, who loved bourbon. Uh, we just weren't talking to them you know, having a conversation with them in marketing. Um, But they were avid fans. They were loyal fans. They were particular about how they drank their product. But marketing budgets are marketing budgets. And so when you're prioritizing target markets, and that's how a lot of the thinking went, you know, demographic, um, it was always kind of white male, you know, in a certain age group. Mm -hmm. Um, Women, LGBT, you know, people of color, et cetera, it was tertiary markets. Right. Um, and so really when I started my company and I've had my company now 15 years, you know, I thought, God, if I'm ever going to do anything for women at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and it, you know, bourbon women, it's not part of my company. It's my passion. Mm-hmm, but right. I, I thought I've got to really start a bit of a movement. And I, I went ahead and grabbed some women who I really respect. We started a very small board, um, we put together focus groups throughout Kentucky just to see if, you know, is this my imagination or is this the real deal? Mm-hmm. With women, never about the demographics. It's always about the psychographics. Mm-hmm. You know, what That's they good. want. Yeah. You know, and what we found that they wanted was to be talked to, you know, and they wanted a soft adventure and they wanted a big, robust whiskey to drink. And, they liked it for the same reasons men liked it. And so we found out all this information. So this is a true story. So I compiled all this focus group because that's how I am. I'm a marketer. And I knocked on Bill Samuel's door because he's always been a mentor of mine. Uh, and I sat down with Bill and I walked him through my my big deck and said, we got we to gotta do something here. You know, what do you think, Bill? Here's all the information we found out. Here's what I'm thinking. I think we need to really form an organization that not only is just thought of as a cute little drinking club, you know, but makes a difference in the industry, like a 501c6, so we can get involved in legislation issues and, you know, do good stuff. And he looked at me, and this was what gave me courage, honestly, was he said, he looked at me across the table and he said, Peggy, this is awesome. This is exactly what we need to do. And he said the magic words, we need to start a conversation with women. Mm-hmm. in the industry. Yeah. And that's how I put it. He didn't say market to them. He didn't say, you know, put them in another focus group. He said, let's have a conversation. And from yeah. that, Bourbon <clears throat> Women was born. Um, we're in 16 cities now. We have hundreds of women across the U.S. Uh, we do the annual symposium. 400 women come in from Thursday to Sunday to experience bourbon in Kentucky. It's awesome. Uh, it's crazy. Crazy. Do you think or have you seen since kind of the rise and, and and I've noticed this because we were part of it, right? Like you had the whole COVID, the COVID phenomenon in bourbon, I think, is one of we're going to look back at this 20 years from now and go, wow. You know, even now you kind of look at it, you know, the people that got into it, the staying power, the people that are still there. But do you see like an influx of, of women now more so from the social media? Because we know some, you know, just like Connor said, for lack of a better word, they're badasses. They're amazing. Their palettes are so amazing. And, and I, <laughs> I got really rebuked. 
by by Jackie. I, we're talking about Jackie a lot in this fine. I'm going to text her. I'm like, you should listen to this. We talked about it. We talked shit about you. Oh, I should text. I can't. I, yeah, we should both. I'll put it. I'll put you in a group chat with me. Like, hey, Peggy and I are talking shit about you on this podcast. Um, she, uh, she know. I, she knows I would never. Yeah. Oh, she she knows you might not, but she knows I might. <laughs> I love her though, but she knows that I might. Um, but you know, like I said, I said it was. I said it's kind of like interesting because I, I I never thought of it this way. And this is the naivety of sometimes about how men think. Also, like I said, you know, I think women have really. Uh, might have better palates, kind of like better golf swings. And she like rebuked me and said it has nothing to do with with men or women. It's our genetic makeup and what we're designed to understand. She goes, she goes women, yeah, women are designed to carry babies and all this. She went like into the like the biological aspect of like different things like you can taste like the bitters. And I never thought about that. And right. it was one of the craziest, coolest kind of aspects of it. But, like, do you see, like, the influx of, of, of more women coming into the whiskey world since, like, social media, Instagram, bourbon, TikTok, all that? Are you starting to see, like, a bigger influx of, of curiosity since since kind of this whole thing spun out since, you know, 2019 and above? Uh, absolutely. Um, I'll have to go back even a little further. I don't think it was necessarily 2020 that did it. Although bourbon women, our membership grew in 2020 because we were forced to go virtual like everybody else. And mm. uh, we were able to reach more people in a broader audience. So yeah. I think that's a lot of it, this broader reach that we have through social media. And so that's why you're mm. seeing the interest level as well. Mm. Um, but it was really, I think, you know, movements like bourbon women association, and we're mm -hmm. putting women who are master tasters, master distillers. We're talking about Jackie. She was our keynote speaker at this year's symposium. She's <coughs> awesome. Um, you know, we're putting them out there uh, and they're getting the training of uh, bourbon women foundation. We are doing scholarships for women, you know, who want to mm -hmm. start in the industry. So I do think there's more wow. outreach than ever before. I will tell you that. Um, I agree with then, that. Yeah. And then I do think the virtual presence of social media has been astounding and it has led women to watch podcasts like this and learn about right. the different stories of women. I always, it's unfailing. I always get messages, you know, after doing something like this from women to say, Oh, I want to switch careers. Could you give me some advice? I mentor a lot of women, um, right. you know, and so we tell them how to get in the business or what to do. I see more female marketers uh, yeah. than ever before, which is fabulous. You know, where we're missing, I think, still is on the C-suite level and the yeah. distributor level for women. Yeah. I, I think – and, and look – Diversity is awesome in the aspect that you're just going to get different things, right? As a whiskey lover, you want to see that. You want to see more women as like master blenders and master distillers and all that because you're going to get different flavor profiles. It's just the difference in 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 like you said, like the the biological nature of it. And diversity in whiskey. I mean, we have so many whiskeys that are out there. There's there to take us to the next level. You have to have that. It's so awesome to see. Like even in the last, you know, we're not obviously where we need to be, but it, it's so awesome to see. Kind of the steps and the strides and and so many of like our friends and and even people that are in our orbit that are outside of right. the the whiskey you know bourbon instagram kind of a thing that are starting to give whiskey a try and mm -hmm. it's it, and and find out hey this isn't just like that that old shitty spirit that makes you want to blow the back of your throat out there's a lot of good aspects to it and it's so awesome and 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 if it wasn't for women like you and 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 
you know, being an absolute legend in this industry, I don't think you would have trailblazed, you know, for so many of our friends and, and, you know, we owe it and a big thank you to people just like you, because we have so many lifelong friends that are, that are, are females that, you know, are into whiskey because people like you stepped out and it's, it's so awesome to see. And we can only hope, look, I have a daughter and I hope that she, you know, I, I blended a bottle for my son. I'm blending a bottle for her when she turns 21. <clears throat> and my bet is she's going to be the whiskey and cigar drinker. My son's going to be like, this shit sucks. And I'm going to be so <laughs> depressed, but I uh, so happy at the same time. It's, but you know, when you're, when you're in that, le- that life now, especially when you're older and you have kids, it's just awesome to kind of see, and you want there to, to be that, that recognition there. And it's cool that she's going to grow up and be able to see faces like you and Jackie and Marianne and, 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 re- and be relevant. And, and, you know, for someone like me, who's a girl dad now and, and can, can see that and she can see, it's not just someone who looks like daddy. It's, well, it's cool. you know, you know, one of my hopes for the bourbon women's symposium uh, conference. Mm-hmm. I told you we have 400. We're seeing more and more men come to our event. Oh, cool. Uh, I want to go. Well, we do. Yeah. We do a hell of, we have 49 participating mm-hmm. distilleries. I mean, we do everything from culinary programs to just such bourbon education. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see, because right now we have aunts bringing their nieces. We have mothers bringing their daughters who've just turned 21. It's kind of a rite of passage. I'm dying to see the day. That's awesome. Dying to see the dads come and bring their daughters uh, to symposium. I think that'd be the coolest thing ever. I'll be there in what's this year's 2023. I'll be there in in 2044. I'll be there. I'm going to put away a whiskey for you. So it ages. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you, perfect. Right? Okay, good. Perfect. Uh, I would do you, it. And it, it's so, yeah. and it, I, I can't wait for that kind of an aspect either. Like it's, it's. It's so cool for for that, and I hope I hope you really start to see that more and more as that as the years go on. I do too, because I, I got to give my father credit for my career. Mm-hmm. Honestly, not necessarily for the whiskey side of things, but he was my biggest champion. He was my biggest cheerleader. That's awesome. He was, he was the one that not only threw softball with me in the backyard and played basketball with me, but you know he was the one that would pick me up off the floor. You know when I had a bad day. And prop me back mm. up and push me back out. And so right. resiliency is what he taught me for sure. Well, you're a boy mom, right? Oh yeah. Too. How do your how how are uh how are your boys kind of how do they see mom in this in this world? Like it's it's cool to talk about it, like, hey, you're a legend, you're all this. How do how do your sons view mom as the legend of a, in the whiskey world? They are so unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't give a dinner. shit, mom. Dinner. <laughs> <laughs> my yet? Where's my line? Um, no, honestly, I think uh, my my 28 year old Utah um, is actually working for my company right now. So I'm awesome. really wanting him to continue. He's just killing it uh, in a different way, you know, with my clients, et cetera. And then Tanner is my youngest. He's 24. And he is in uh, professional soccer. He works for a professional soccer team. So, you know, that's his job right now. I like now. Tanner already. Yeah, but I'm I'm hoping to draw him in little by little, little by little. But you have to understand, these boys grew up, you know, my, my oldest when he was little, and he would come visit me at Woodford Reserve. Like, his favorite candy was bourbon candy. Because uh, we gave little samples of bourbon candy, and he would—I could see his little hand going up on the <laughs> counter, grabbing off the pieces of bourbon candy, and the tour guide running over, going, "Now, Utah, you can't," you know. So 
he just grew up with it, you know. And I we love that name, Utah. It's great on our back patio, entertaining people. Uh, it 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 really was our lifestyle. It's it so is. weird when you have someone talking about their kids, and it hits you different. Like when you're a dad, it was, I I'll share a dad moment today. I was okay. sitting with my three year old, and he was laughing, and I I almost just broke out like crying because I'm like. This is so like finite in like the aspect that you're you're like this, and it was just such like a, a cool moment where he was just being like really cute and engaging, and it was you know I'm sure you've had moments of that where you like almost take like a little mental picture uh, of your kids when they're oh, young, sure. and like just like you're saying like his hand reaching over. We it, when you're a parent, that shit hits different. You understand it. You, you it, it it's it's great, and that's it's great that your your boys are. Do they are they are they both into whiskey as well, or did they just like say hey, not impressed, but also not into it? Well, here's what's funny. You know, when we go on vacation, of course, you know, I always have them read the menu with me, the cocktail menu, and you know, I want them to try different things, right? Mm. So Utah's mm. a big old fashioned drinker. I mean, he he's really getting into. The my bourbon guy. and you know, so I have no worries there. My youngest, we were at a pretty swanky restaurant, and he's looking at you know the lists of whiskeys and spirits. And I said, "Well, what do you want to order? You know, do you want me to tell you anything about these bourbons?" And he goes, "Actually, I think I like either a rum or a cognac." And I was like, oh. <laughs> "Are you adopted?" I mean, I was just like, and he was like, no, I really like, I like cognac. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I understand that reaction a hundred percent. I love it. It's that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It's like, who are you? Did, <laughs> I, did I birth you or you just, did we adopt you? I don't remember anymore. I was like, I only live, eat and breathe bourbon. And you're going to tell me you, you think you like cognac. No, thanks. what is your, what is your favorite thing to make with bourbon? Cocktail-wise or food? Food. Oh, I think wow. bourbon is an underrated aspect and element. Because I make something really interesting, and I don't know how many people do this with with, and it's barrel-proof whiskey. Tell me, tell me what it, tell me what you do. I make buffalo sauce with, oh, and I barrel-proof whiskey. And so I like a pretty spicy buffalo sauce, so I make a yeah. homemade buffalo sauce. Um, you put two like. You know, you roast two big garlic cloves. You put put it in there, and and all the butter. It's not necessarily, but I use, and I've been using. And Connor hates me when I say this because he's like, I cannot believe you put this and don't just drink it. I put Elijah Craig Barrel Proof in it, and it breaks down a lot of you know the harshness of the barrel proof, but it brings a lot of that sweetness, and you get such a sweet and spicy kick. Oh yeah, using that, and so I I I like to. I smoke wings like I, I brine them and then I spin them in like a dry rub and then I smoke them and then I spin them in the sauce, grill them and then spin them again. And it is so good. I, I love making buffalo sauce with with bourbon. Oh, wow. I'd like to try that. Um, I would say there's two things that I really like. I like marinades with bourbon, mm. um, especially, you know, for like a beef tenderloin. Mm. Uh, so that's probably one of my favorite. And then dessert wise, I do actually, it's in my book, uh, which fork do I use with my bourbon? I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, I was about to ask you about it later, but then you spoiled oh, the surprise. So there we go. There's, <laughs> Forget recipe, I said it, <laughs> but this recipe's in the book. Uh, it's a pineapple, um, pound cake and I take brown sugar and a little bit of pineapple juice and I rub it all over the pineapple. And then I bake the pineapple 
with the bourbon brown sh- and brown sugar. And uh, I, I bake it so that the pineapple is almost falling apart. And then you put it over sliced pound cake and you drizzle that juice all over that pound cake. Big piece of whip, you know, dollop of whipped cream. And it's, it's incredible. And it's so simple. See, I'm, I really like simple foods when I'm doing bourbon. Pickles. I agree. Right. I don't know. I don't know about any of y'all, but like, that's like the dirtiest five seconds I've ever heard in a, on a podcast before. Like I'm hungry now. Was that like, like bourbon porn? Was it? Oh like God. Porn? Hell yeah. Yes. Like I don't no one. I don't want to hear like sexy talk. I want you to talk dirty food to me. Like talk to me about how you make something that's just delicious and make me hungry. If you can yeah. make you, me hungry talking about bourbon, food, you did it. You should read my bourbon reviews um, out of American Whiskey Magazine. That's oh, bourbon. I have. I yeah, I know. I I know, Peggy. Like yeah. we we don't need to make me like, more hungry and thirsty than I am. I gotta lose weight. <laughs> I, all right. I don't even I gotta, like pineapple. I gotta, that sounds good. We're working on a TV show that we're gonna have to film at some point. Like my fat butt's got to get in shape. Let's Can't do it. Like, yeah, yeah, I gotta get in shape. We get we get Peggy on the TV show for real, baby. I love it. I we'll do it. that. That'd be great. Maybe we'll go. We'll just like what we can do if the, you know, after look, there's a lot of work in this thing. We have to do it. We got to pitch it. And if it gets picked up, but if it does, maybe we'll do like a cooking with Peggy segment. We'll come to your, we'll come and do, we can we'll do cook. some Peggy pairings. We could do. Yeah. Peggy kinds. pairings. Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. Hashtag it. I like it. You should. That, that's should that, that. So how did you come up with the, with the book name? Cause I wanted to talk, touch base on this. It's so funny. Which fork do I use in my bourbon? It's so clever. It it is, it is. I, I, I love it. So it's like, almost like, you it's almost like you're in that? marketing or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird. Almost. <laughs> um, well, funny. A lot of people maybe don't know this about me, but I have a degree in etiquette and protocol from the Washington school of protocol. Oh, wow. Of all the things that I've done in my life, I'm a woman of mystery, right? Um, But everybody in etiquette, as you know, you know, when you go to a dinner party or whatever, it's which fork is yours? Is that your water glass or my water? Is that your bread and butter plate? Is that, you know, and etiquette can be kind of pretentious if somebody does the wrong Mm -hmm. thing. You know, people feel bad about it and they shouldn't. It's just that you haven't been taught. So. In bourbon, how I translated that over, because the bourbon book is all about hospitality and entertaining in your home, you know, and doing tastings in your home. And Mm -hmm. everybody who I know in the bourbon industry who loves the bourbon industry, we want it to be approachable and friendly. And we do not want to be like the wine people who make you so petrified to order a bottle that you're going to do the wrong thing. So I called it, which fork do I use? With my bourbon. Uh, because in our world, you can use any damn fork you want. So that's how nice. it came to be. Like that's the it. same world I come from, too. Good. Like, here's a salad fork, and here's a bread fork, and here's a soup fork, and here's a <laughs> here's a dinner fork, and here's a dessert. Like, I'd like I'm to just going to use the same one the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> I think they call it a spork. Yes, as long as you have, so. <laughs> As long as you have Metamucil after you eat, the right, Connor? technical term is... <laughs> Spork. You're absolutely right. Yeah, a spork. I'm pretty sure Taco Bell like m- made the spork a thing. I, I'm so mad they don't have those anymore. I, they, I, I don't see them anymore. Man, I, I used to fried beans with it. 
the nachos bel grandes and stuff that you would like after yeah. the chips got soggy and you right. didn't want to like look at connor connor's over here just like what are y'all talking about because he's he's 12 he doesn't know he doesn't doesn't live in this world it's crazy no i'm actually like really hungry right now and i'm i, oh I have to do something for God, dinner after I'm this so hungry so i'm like i kind of want to get like some mcdonald's or I, something i want to talk about actually after this. well i've been taco drinking whiskey uh, peggy here's a great question i don't know if anyone's ever asked you this what is your favorite i've had several drinks what is your go-to i don't want to say drunk food because it sounds just say go-to drunk food tipsy food whatever what is your what it like you've had a little too much to drink you're hungry what is that thing that's like i want this what is it kane's chicken oh my god i love you so much kane's chicken oh my god don't have that up here but and they're fries because they do those crinkle fries do you, uh, what is your, okay, what is your go to at Kane's? You know oh, Kane's sauce is so good. Oh my God. What is your good, what, what, what are you getting? Are you getting a three finger combo, a Kaniac or a box? I'm going to get a Kaniac. God, Peggy, we are, I, I think we're, I think, I think I might have. Hey, listen, I might look put together, but I like concession <laughs> stand food. Hell, yes. <laughs> concession yes. stand food. Wow. I'm an equal Never opportunity eater. Oh yeah! It's, I, look, I only work out to support my eating habit. Like I fully agree. I I I love your choice, but mine is Taco Bell. I don't know why. Well, it used to be in my younger days. It used to be Taco Bell, um, but I just matured my palate to Caniac. If there was a Canes, probably in Versailles, it might be Canes. But <laughs> look, I live two seconds away. I don't like, and it's really like fun. Like the the older you get, the less you want to actually go somewhere. And I think it's. It, do you actually enjoy going out for a drink anymore? Because I know just from doing this, the little I've been, I hate it because I have so much whiskey. For me, do you do you like to go out and actually have a drink, or do you prefer to drink at home? Well, so. So last week, let me just share with you. Last week, um, I was out four nights, you know, on business. So, Mm -hmm. you know, dinners, Mm -hmm. drinks with people, et cetera. And I really enjoy that. I have a very social job. That's part of the reason why I love this industry, right? You know, Mm -hmm. but I also love coming home and, you know, fixing my own black Manhattan uh, because that's kind of my go-to. I don't think I've ever had one. Yeah. Oh, really? I don't even know if I've heard of a black Manhattan before, and I feel oh like I, I feel like I might be an idiot now. Okay, so so when I come to Versailles next, I'm gonna pack some Caniacs and I'm gonna make a batch of black Manhattans and bring you some. Okay. Oh, listen, Just you are sure, welcome. Make sure it's when house. I'm in Versailles. Yeah. I mean, you are welcome at the house anytime. You're welcome at the house anytime as long as you're okay with holding babies. Yeah, I'm. I'm love it. I'd love to hold babies. <laughs> I got. Maybe. I got two for you. But even after I travel, you know, or go out several nights a week or whatever, if I don't want to stay home, do you know what my favorite thing to do is? And you're going to laugh. Tell me. No. Oh, no. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. When, so your favorite thing to do when you're not traveling, you're just hanging out at home? Well, no. It's it's like when it's my choice and, mm-hmm. you know, like you said about a drink or whatever, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I might stay home because that's enjoyable because I'm tired or just want to chill with my husband. But if I do want to go out, then oh. are you still going to guess now? Are he has no think? clue. Don't, yeah, no. He has no idea. Okay. I love, and I, I've dragged <laughs> my husband with me. I love just sitting at a bar and eating dinner. I like that. Like not I was just thinking about that recently. 
I Carson's Carson's yeah. sitting at that bar and having like I love their their I don't know I'm sure you've been to Carson's before. I have. Carson's uh, first of all their bar is amazing. I don't know they if you do ever a great had their their um ahi tuna lettuce wraps and the um the sweet and spicy ribs sit there buy whiskey like i i i enjoy that but i think i'm saying like i if you want to drink right yeah if i'm like i want to have like seven or eight drinks is it like going to a bar and just sitting having dinner and then just drinking that's kind of your guilty pleasure? i love i love a well-made cocktail i Dang. love watching a bartender work and i love being at a bar you know like i said with my husband or a girlfriend that you know, when I'm not working, um, that I can just watch people and I look at what people order. And I, I just, there's some, and I'll tell you in 2020, it is truly one of the things that I craved that I really miss. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when, you know, when all the curtains rose and everybody could go back out and play, you know, after 2020, for one of the first things I did, go out and play. When, one of the first things I did was went we went to a bar, our neighborhood bar, and I said, I just want to sit at the bar and have a cocktail. Mm-hmm. I miss that. So you, that's crazy, but that's, that's interesting. Though I, I feel the same way. I also miss that, and that's one of the first. I'm I where my apartment is is right in the downtown area, so I can I can walk everywhere, and I'm very lucky for that. So I one of the first things I did once once the, again the curtains were raised is when just sat down on a bar with my brother and was just like, let's just, let's just go get a beer. Like I, yeah. I'm not, I drink, if I go out, I drink whiskey. So it was my brother, Kale. He's where we, we order a whiskey, but I was like, let's just go get a, let's go get a Miller light and just sit at a bar for an hour and then just right. go home. Yeah. But, uh, I feel the same way you did about that, about sitting at the bar is going to the movie theater. I oh. was so excited to go to the movie theater again, right? to my local movie theater that was, it has since shut down, but, it was one of those movie theaters where the floors were always sticky and there was always a chance of getting tetanus <laughs> and in some aspects. And I loved it. I was like, this is where, this is where I want to watch it. It's a good old fashioned theater movie. right there. And, uh, that's, that's funny. Um, like the things that you craved once COVID was right. Once COVID regulations were kind of lift, lifted a little bit, like the things that you take for granted now. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's, do you go out and ever have an experience where someone might be asking at a bar? Cause I, it's, it's funny and I've had this and I'm sure if I've had it, you've had it and it's times a million. Someone's talking about whiskey or something and you just, they say something and you just politely maybe give a suggestion or say something and they come back at you and it is the hardest thing in the world. Not just go like, do you want to know what I do? Like you're an idiot. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I'm pretty well behaved that way, okay? Because you know you have to understand, I do whiskey seminars, and there's always yep. somebody in the crowd sure. who is smarter than me. Well, they're idiots. I'll just say it for you. And, Sorry. You know, want to challenge me on what I know or whatever, and you know, there's always that. But if I'm just out on you know with my husband or whatever, it's my husband I worry about. <laughs> <laughs> because he, like, I have to tell him to shut up because. He'll be the first person when he hears somebody says, you know, something that he knows is totally wrong or whatever. He'll say, my wife, he he wants to introduce me as my wife's a master taster. And, you know, you should tell it. And I'm out like to have fun. And so shut the 
So and I'm like, what's wrong with love. you? So he's proud of you, though. But he likes to show off. That's true love right there. And then I'm trapped. Hey, as a man, I will tell you, all he's he is he is putting a crown on your head as the queen. He you are the queen of his life when he does that. He is so proud of you. Hold on, stay tuned. I'm going to show you something. Hold on. Okay. Give me two seconds. Um, I'm I'm here. This is like the I, like I, I don't know what's gonna happen right now. I, I this is the like one of the top five greatest podcasts I think this we've is, ever done. This is why my husband puts up with me, and I don't know why. Do not drink. Yeah, <laughs> this is I have to put these on for my husband so he doesn't drink my good whiskey. <laughs> Whether it's a client who sends me a bottle or like this yeah. is. Um, Oh, here's Bardstown Bourbon Com- Company Chateau Le Bob, yeah, which mm. is delicious. And so mm-hmm. I stick these on there, and I put them. So yes, my husband puts up with a lot. You <laughs> might think I'm the queen, but this pisses him off. Hey, don't, no, he thinks you, when he goes out though, you're the queen, and that's that's true love. Like Connor said, that's that 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 that's an amazing thing though that he does. I'm sure it pisses you off. You're just I've like, never Shut showed up. anybody that before. Really? That I've done so, that. How many of those bottles do you have? Do you have like a whole cover yeah. full of do not drink? That I have to do that. No, it means <laughs> I love your, It means I love your husband. It means he likes whiskey as yeah. much as we do. That's a good point. Do you? Are you like a, a cigar smoker as well? Do you yeah. like cigar? Oh my god! I you are like you are like. I, I just I, I don't have any grandmothers. Can you just be my grandma? Like for like I, I'm not saying you're old. I just don't I have like moms and mothers in laws. I just I, I need a grandma. Can you be my like my surrogate? I'll be I'll be your adopted mother, grandmother. Yeah, per- perfect. I um, just But I do like cigars. You know, I, I always I always have. Um I wish I knew more though and studied them more. I just know what I like. What is your favorite cigar? Well, Macanudo, I probably always kind of go to. Okay. Just because have, it is familiar to me. Um, have you ever had a Tabac? No. Try a Tabac. Um, they are very sweet. I think it goes really, really Could nice you with spell whiskey. That just to make T A B A K. Oh, B A K. T A B A K. It's it's sweet. It's really nice, and I always like to say, and I won't be crude, but I always like. I don't like cigars in the aspect that some of them make it feel like you just like stuck your face in a chimney for six hours and you wake right. up the next day. I like and a throat. sweeter cigar. I do. It's very sweet and it doesn't, and Connor can attest this. I've got him on these cigars. They're, it's like if you buy a box on like uh, one of the websites, it's like a, like 200 bucks for like 24 of them. And you don't wake up the next day and feel like you just stuck your head in a chimney all night. You could smoke even two of them and it's good and it's really sweet. And I think it pairs really well. It, look, if you're a cigar aficionado, you're probably going to like, Paul, you're an idiot. Like sh- shut the hell up. Don't Macanudo is good as well. But I, I, if you've never tried one, you can get them at, at total wine, liquor barn, all those kinds of places. I'll look for them. I'll, try I'll look one for and definitely try one and, and let me yeah. know what you think. I think you do. My, that's like my perfect night. Everyone will ask me and I, I get this ass all the time. Like, what's your perfect night out? And I'm like, not my perfect night is <laughs> not out. I want to sit in front of a fire pit with a cigar and a whiskey and just, you know, maybe I'm talking with Connor, maybe I'm doing a live or maybe, maybe I'm just sitting in silence. And that is the, that is euphoria. 
of so you of get life. along with my husband really well because that's our that's his favorite thing to do is sit in front of the fire pit. We are uh, we got to hang out. We yeah. got to hang out with your husband, Peggy. Yeah, yeah, y'all are not finding out a lot about my family. I love it. I know. It, well, <laughs> well, maybe maybe uh, maybe it'll be maybe you and your husband can come to the bourbon ball. That would be great. We could have yeah. you and. And uh, and we could all we always do like an event before. I'll tell you I'll tell you inside information after this because it's not public yet. Um, okay. We actually just finalized some things today that's going to be really fun. But uh, we always do like a thing where we have like friends and invite people over the day before everything starts and do a fire pit. It's going to be in July. Well, that'll be June. It'll be hot, but I don't care. We'll still yeah. we'll still have a good time. We'll oh, just we, put fan, we, fans outside. We burn fires all year. Yeah, exactly. We put put. This podcast has flown by. I looked at it; it's fifty minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be co- really, really conscious of time. Connor, have you asked all your questions? Because I kind of took the show over. Cause, sorry. Well, no, no. I asked. I did ask the questions I wanted to ask before. But I guess before we end it, Peggy, like, you know, where do you see yourself moving forward? Um, you know, within the next few years, is there anything? Are there any projects that you have coming up? Is there anything that you want to accomplish? Um, say within like a like a five year span, maybe. Absolutely. Um. I have to be very delicate to answer this question because, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, when you get a point in your career life cycle, if you will, and you look back at everything you've done, I mean, you know, I've written books and, you know, Hall of Fame and culinary and, you know, just uh, bourbon women, bourbon trail, you know, you, you start to go, okay, what is next? And I had a whole lot of time to think about that in 2020 and 2021. So, all I can say at this point is stay tuned. Fair well, we will stay tuned and we are very excited to see what comes up. This stay has tuned. been so fun. Yeah. Um, you are one of the, the most fun, engaging people I think we've had on the show. And really? we're, I'm, yeah, the, you're super fun to talk to. Like, this is great. You, if you don't do this, you should do this way more often. This is phenomenal. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, and it's fun to kind of get to know, you know, who you are and your family and things like that, because I'm sure you get asked about palate and flavor notes and all that boring shit that we talk about in this industry and in this community. And it's cool to see the person, right. You know, that you are. And, and it's really great that, that you, don't kind of put a mask on and you kind of show everybody that. So thank you. That's, it's been really fun. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm honored. Yeah. Well, we, we love this and hopefully we can, we can do this again at, you know, when there's some stay tunes that we can tune into, we come back on the show. I'd love, I'd absolutely love it. Connor, (laughs) let me know when you're in Kentucky. I absolutely will, Peggy. I promise I will. All right. Yeah, this is Peggy. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember a bourbon with friends can change the world. That's it for this episode of Bourbon with Friends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a review to make it easier for others to find the show. You can also check us out on Instagram at BWF Podcast. Thanks for listening.